value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. Hey, just before we get started, this show's a tiny bit more technical than usual, so we have a few acronyms to explain. We're talking private equity, which is an alternative investment class and consists of capital that's not listed on a public exchange. A private equity fund has limited partners, or LP, who typically own 99% of the shares in a fund and have limited liability. And general partners, or GP, who own 1% of shares and have full liability. The latter are also responsible for executing and operating the investment. We also talk about leverage buyout or LBO, which is the acquisition of another company using a significant amount of borrowed money, bonds or loans to meet the cost of acquisition. Anyway, on with the show. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the U.S. Lens. I'm Ron Insana. You've been hearing a lot over the last several years about private equity investments and how, in some cases, they've actually helped uh, companies make better investment decisions for the longer run and also provide larger-than-market returns. Now, is that the case in every situation, or are there other ways to look at private equity through a variety of different vehicles that may be equally or even more attractive? Joining me now to talk about that is Christian Vanderkam. He is the head of secondaries in our private equity unit at Schroeder's. Christian, thanks for being with us. Appreciate you joining us this morning. So let, let's start first broadly with, with just the private equity environment. I mean, obviously, it's been a hot spot. Uh, it's also had some downsides lately for, let's say, hedge funds who have made some investments in, in privately held entities. Where are we in, in, in the cycle for these longer dated assets? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a good question to start. I think, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll have to see how things play out in a broader economy. In terms of private assets, um, you know, typically, when you look back um, and how private assets respond to market corrections, it, it sort of has a delayed effect in terms of the way you know GPs and sponsors revalue their portfolio companies. And I think we're we're in the midst of that uh, as the broader markets correct. We will see private equity correct. Also, with that said, I think it you know fine that that's in terms of valuations. In terms of the investment environment, nothing really changes. And if you look back in time, it typically, in terms of vintage performance, uh, these are actually often the better times to deploy capital. So while it certainly has, has an effect in terms of you know your existing portfolios, putting money to work in this environment can be really attractive. Just, just for those investors who might be somewhat unfamiliar with certain um, terminology, when you say vintage, what, what exactly do you mean by that when it comes to these private investments? Yeah, so so with vintage, it would mean the the year that you're actually deploying the capital, and and so you know th this would be the 2022 vintage for for all investments done this year, um, and, and that then rolls forward. Typically, there will be a three to five year hold for any investment in these private equity assets, and so um, you would then see the returns in, in in you know during that time period. And obviously, the, the whole point is deploying capital in in these downturn markets um, where you can buy companies possibly at, at more attractive valuations should generate better returns uh, all else equal and and now there, there have been developing over the last several years a variety of subsectors within 
uh, private investments, particularly in private equities, whether it's at secondaries. Obviously, the LBO market, uh, leveraged buyout market, has has kind of come and gone in, in and out of favor over the last several decades. And and then there are these LP and GP led uh, investments as well. Let's start first with secondaries. Uh, what, what exactly are those, and what benefits, broadly speaking, do they offer to investors? Yeah, so secondaries is 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 a bit of a misnomer in many ways because there are transactions between LP. So one one limited partner sells their commitment to a, a secondary buyer, uh, and, and that's what what are called the LP secondary market. And that that's really how the market started back in the early 2000s, uh, really to to generate liquidity for groups that that needed that liquidity. Um, you know, in a, in a short period of time, and and that's that's market. It, you know, give or take has has developed to let's say 50, 60 billion in size uh, over the last twenty years, and it it sort of ebbs and flows with with the liquidity needs of these large institutions that that uh, will sell in the secondaries market. So, in that, other words, the, the the if someone makes an investment in, in a private equity vehicle, and it's a five to seven year uh, commitment, let's say. In, in year five, yeah. the company's doing well. They want to take out their dollars and take whatever private market profits have accumulated. They can sell that strip, if you will, off to another investor? Correct. They would sell their fund commitment or, or their portfolio of fund commitments, albeit uh, through an advisor, or they would go to their manager, to their GP and say, can you, can you sell this for me to one of your existing uh, LPs. And so that that's that's an you know an interesting market in itself and it's it's grown in popularity really especially following the the, the great financial crisis where um, you know that 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 if we're back to the vintage point that was a great vintage uh, for LP secondary transactions because you could buy these uh, portfolios at attractive valuations. And for the buyer compared to the seller, they get a shorter window to monetization, correct? Exactly. So the, the IRRs can be really good. It cash flows really nicely. So it's a shorter duration uh, private equity investment. Now, what about the LBO market, leveraged buyout market? We haven't talked a lot about that because, <clears throat> excuse me, we haven't seen really in the way we did in the 1980s, for instance, or even again towards uh, the end of the 90s. Uh, the LBO market become a topic of conversation in, in the financial press. Is it something that is kind of returning to the fore at this juncture? In, in terms of lever leveraging transactions, or yeah. uh, obviously the, the LBO market is is um, you know it, it, it's been very active in the last few years. Um, you know we've certainly seen um, leverage you know at at, at decent clips. Uh, companies, you know, obviously, in, in terms of M and A in general, you know, th there's been a lot of activity both uh, through these GP-led transactions, which essentially are LBO transactions, because what you're doing is you're you're essentially re-leveraging an asset that you already own as a sponsor, and you're you're going to the banks and you're raising uh, raising new leverage for that, uh, and so th that's been very active. I think private equity, you know, a lot of capital has flown into private equity, and that's resulted in a very active LBO market. All right, so let me let me ask you to, to describe in greater detail this, these GP-led uh, buyouts. Uh, and you said you're, you're buying an asset you already own, which sounds, yep. on, on the one hand, redundant. On the other hand, it sounds like you may be using as, as excess leverage uh, to, to get an asset that you already control. How do these things work? 
Yeah, so they're, they're a, a fairly new type of transaction in, in the broader private equity sense. Uh, and it's really all uh, driven by the need um, to sell companies uh, for sponsors. So, you, you know, you, as, a, as a sponsor, you've, you're building a portfolio, you've raised a fund, and, and you've, you've invested in, in 10 companies uh, over a three, four, or five-year period. And, and then you have some early winners that you would normally sell uh, either to strategics or through an IPO uh, or to another private equity sponsor. Well, there's now a fourth exit option, which is to sell to yourself. And, and while it sounds simple, these are actually quite complex transactions, but what's attractive for sponsors is that it allows them to really double down on their winners in, and to put it in simple terms. And so it, it's a true M&A transaction. It's a true sale of the asset, which allows the sponsor to return liquidity, to offer liquidity to their existing LPs. But at the same time, instead of selling it to somebody else, they sell it to themselves, to a vehicle that they will own uh, and manage um, going forward. And, and the reason why it's attractive for sponsors is because it allows, us, allows them to, to continue the value creation journey that they've had with those particular companies for a number uh, of years going forward. And and. If, yep. I, if I may, just how would, how would how do you handle the conflict of interest uh, um, concerns that may arise uh, from a transaction like that? Yeah, so obviously you need to run a really a really good process. So there are advisors that will that will run a third party process to make sure that the price is set not by the GP themselves because that clearly doesn't make any sense. Uh, and, and so there are very clear rules in terms of that. The, 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 the SEC is, is clearly uh, looking to govern this even further, which we think is a good thing. Um, there are clear L, uh, you know, ILPA guidelines how to manage this in terms of conflicts. Uh, I think th what sponsors are trying to achieve is to allow existing LPs to either sell through this transaction or to continue and, and invest in the new transaction as well at terms that are similar to their old holding. And by doing that, they essentially take any conflict off the table because um, you know, they're not forcing their existing investors to sell. Um, they, can, they can continue the journey if they think that the price is too low or if they think that there's more upside in the asset. So it's really an option more than, than an actual sale of the business from the existing investor's point of view. And how do new investors get involved in something like this? Yeah, so the new investors are the secondary investors, and they could very well be um, LPs that are also invested in the in the old fund that owns the assets, because typically secondary investors will also have a primary business, uh, such as we do as well, and that allows you to have a look at the asset both from uh, you know an existing uh, investor point of view. But you know what's attractive for new investors is that you you can invest with your core sponsors in assets that they already own. And that familiarity with the asset, I think, is something that's very special about these deals because normally, you know, if we talk about LBOs, a, a, a private equity sponsor will take a view on a company uh, through a certain process and, and will take certain risks, uh, amongst others, in terms of management teams, uh, but also underwriting the end markets with a new company. That obviously you take off the table in these transactions because you've already worked with that particular company for a number of years. You know the management team really well, you know the end markets really well. And, and, and we think that's obviously really attractive. If you can manage the conflicts and make sure that the price is set fairly, that the GP is aligned properly, um, you, you typically will see a positive selection bias in our view because GPs will only wanna invest in their best assets. And if you can set the price properly, 
then we think they can be really attractive risk uh, adjusted returns. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. So, so Christian, where do investors then look for an advantage, if you will, or an edge when, when they're looking at this, these so-called GP-led uh, secondaries? Yeah, I think, I think what's important here is um, deal flow because it is a competitive uh, space and it will become more and more competitive. This market you know, used to be you know, 2 billion, 3 billion, uh, give or take in, in you know, 2013. Uh, to more than 70 billion last year. So the market has, has grown in volume uh, over the last few years. COVID had a lot to do with that, that really forced a lot of the GPs to look at their existing portfolio companies and say, okay, um, instead, of, instead of forcing these companies through an exit process, why don't I um, own this company through these continuation fund vehicles and generate further upside for myself, for my investors? That has obviously generated a lot of a lot of interest from the secondary investors, um, as it should. And so, I think what's important here, as you're looking to invest in this market, is that you can get deal flow to the best GP-led deals, to the best GP-led transactions managed by the better GPs. What do you foresee as the path for GP-led secondaries going forward? Yeah, it's it's, it's a good question. I think where we are in in the cycle um, will will impact. You know all markets, including private equity and including secondaries. I think what's what's important um, when you look at transactions today is that you're you're investing in companies that can navigate uh, a, a down market, a, a tougher, um, broader economy, a, and that you know in itself is is not any different from any other market, um, including LBOs. I think what we will see is that sponsors. Um, because of the last few years, um, we see sponsors that are really excited about the prospect of, of GP leds. I, I spoke to one of our private equity managers the other uh, the other day, and he you know he said he thinks that every fund manager will will try to do one to two GP leds uh, in their older funds, and, and so I think that dynamic is not going to change. I think. The, the need for liquidity for investors, and that's always been one of the challenges in private equity, is there. And it's only going to become a, a bigger challenge if you have a down market because all other exit markets become more challenging. And so as, as this is an exit for the older investors, we will see GPs um, push these transactions even further um, and at the same time uh, continue the value creation in their better assets. Now, let me ask you a broad question on the macro environment, because we've seen, as you said, you know, a pickup in activity. And, and very oftentimes it, it's associated with a, a, an environment where liquidity is plentiful and inexpensive, where it, rules and regs are, are somewhat more lax. And, and we're seeing a wholesale shift in that, particularly in the West, with respect mm -hmm. to one, interest rates rising and central banks tightening policy. Long term rates are up. Short term discount rates are up rather significantly. How does that change the calculus in the buyout world. And, and I, I'm doing this for 38 years now. So I've been through a couple of cycles. And each time that we've seen interest rates experience a meaningful rise, and when you're coming off zero, almost anything's meaningful. How does it impact first the, the, the process and then to the, the internal rates of return? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think the nice thing about private equity is that you're, you're somewhat insulated um, of of the, the broader market workings and and 
you know, in the end, really, you know, what is private equity? It, it comes down to investing in, in really good companies and having a common understanding uh, across the few stakeholders, how to generate that value. I think that dynamic doesn't change. Clearly, um, using leverage is going to become more expensive. Uh, and you know, we, we've had a great run over the last 10 years or even longer uh, from that point of view, and that will, will challenge returns. Um, I think the underwriting um, will not really change. I think you know, there will be certain sectors that will do better. And we've clearly seen healthcare assets and consumer staples do better in this particular vintage. So you know, we'll see more activity in those areas than, than in some other areas. But you know, in terms of returns, uh, you know, I think you know, the, 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 the really good um, outsized returns that we saw in the last few years, I think obviously we're not going to see that again. I think that that you know the next two three years are going to be difficult. Uh, with that said, owning a high quality company that can still grow in an environment that you ha- that you've bought at decent valuations will generate good returns. And whether that's you know plus twenty percent IRs or whether that's somewhere closer to fifteen percent, uh, you know who knows. But I think you'll generate um, you know positive returns, which which you know should all else equal be better than what you can get in the public market. All right, Christian, a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Christian Vanderkam is head of secondary investments, private equity at Schroeder's. I'm Ron Insana. Thanks for joining us on the U.S. Lens. We'll talk to you again soon. Well, that was a show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroeders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroeder's podcast at schroeders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers.